0: Longer boats are coming to win us, they're coming to win us, they're coming to win us. Longer boats are coming to win us, hold on to the shore. They'll be taking the key from the door.
1: Hey, you're listening to Crush the Cargo Podcast again, and something different this week is I am going to just talk to a couple of friends of mine, well, three friends of mine around the world in different places, because I've heard a few people talking about, you know, the coronavirus pandemic and say, well, if you look at the world, we're all in the same boat. And it's kind of true, but someone else pointed out, no, it's not the same boat. It's the same storm, but we're all in different boats. Okay,
0: well, um, well, of course, the way that we connected was... uh met in Cambodia Uh, I've been working with organizations there for a number of years and then um, about four years ago came back to the UK Um, so I've been working here Um, I do research around the issues of human trafficking and um, and I I sometimes I teach and and do training as well
1: Yep, and you're living in Swansea at the moment.
0: Yes, so, yep. Swansea's in Swansea's in Wales. It's a really beautiful coastal town. Um, the The city itself is pretty dire; <laughs> it's not not very exciting. But the um, the uh, uh, the the sea and the area close to it, called the Gower, is really spectacular. It's a very beautiful area. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah so what's been happening there lately in the uk because wales is really still part of the uk isn't it so you're following the same kind of regulations yeah. and things?
0: same protocols so it's um it's part shut down and that's not going away anytime soon so that means for every um everybody they need to be um they need to stay inside apart from when they're they're allowed to go out for about an hour to do exercise a day and to do shopping and stuff but apart from that it's pretty much inside Um, I'm myself I'm actually in the shielded category so it means that um, I have to be even more careful and I think um, probably for, for a lot of people that they wouldn't go out at all but i i just because it's fairly sparsely populated here i can safely go out and not meet other people so so i still keep going out
1: yeah so um if you can go out only an hour a day how do they monitor that
0: well they don't really they're just trusting that people do it i think when when it first came out people didn't quite know what to do and i think um what i hear from friends in london is it's not being very well it's not being very well done there you know people are doing they're getting out and doing things when really um uh, and putting themselves and others at risk so that's not great but i think the majority of people now have uh have got got the message and realized actually i need to do this Mm. for the safety of other people
1: yeah so what about shopping and things like that how's that working
0: well, I have friends who do <clears throat> big shops for us, which is really nice um I've just found out that our big supermarket Tescos are actually doing deliveries, but you have to give them about a week's notice, so well, I like don't really know what I want what I need in a week but
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: i I'll probably use that for now it's i i when people ask me what do you want to get to the shops, I can't ever think of <laughs> things <laughs> and then uh, uh but um we do have a little We do have a little shop that's next door to us so um i can if i can twist my daughter's arm i can get her to to, uh to go and get it uh go and get the basics there yeah
1: and and so tell me about how your work's been going in the midst of this well it's weird it's a
0: weird thing i mean i've already been myself i've already been on shutdown for probably seven weeks now so um uh, it's. I think everyone's got used to zooming now. Zooming's the, the new thing, isn't it? So you have Zoom mm-hmm. church and you have Zoom meetings, and you have. I think um, somebody somebody invented Zoomunion, which is I think communion on Zoom. But Yeah, not quite sure how that works, but um, I think it's. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just weird seeing everyone in two D rather than three D. Yeah, and I'm. A, I'm an- I'm an extrovert, so I really miss hugs and just, you know, just having a cup of tea with somebody or going out for a drink. It's, uh, yeah, it's actually more more stressful than I thought. Yeah. I don't know. Really <laughs> um, I think, you know, you, you get used to being, you get used to a routine. And so, so I, my, my routine is I get up in the morning, you know, shower, get dressed, get take out zoe i uh, take take out um my dog and wally and also um my grandson if he's with us and then and then i come back and um then i try and do some work for a few hours um and then um yeah <laughs> but you know so so i sometimes i'll have two or three hours of meetings on zoom and then i might try and connect with people for an hour or so if i can so can
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah so he, this is really our time for going out for a wall so he's, he's getting, going a bit stir crazy now he needs the um,
1: yeah he won't keep you too long i <laughs> that's all right that's all right you keep going. okay So um, your your, um, research is in human trafficking. Have you got any idea or any thoughts or predictions about how this crisis is going to influence that?
0: Yeah, it already is. It already is, Steve. Um, I've got friends in London, and and they're working with... um, uh, They're working with um, people that are being sexually exploited there, people who are being prostituted, and... They say that it's it's become more it's become worse, and because they're more desperate to get you know I think basically you know every, people who are doing kind of work where you try, you know you're you're just um, you can only get it when when it's available then they're then they're making themselves more available than that just because they're desperate for money so. Um, the price of drugs has gone up because of because um, of the uh, you know accessibility of that so yeah. then that, that for a lot of people that are being prostituted that makes their that means they have to work even harder so um, I think <laughs> I think everybody knows that um, you know people that are, that are in closed in are more likely to um, use porn and so the amount of porn that's and the demand for porn has not gone up a huge amount, yep. the, the big, the, the big, uh, porn distributors like Pornhub are clapping their hands because they're getting their, uh, their revenues increasing considerably.
1: Yeah.
0: But at the same time, then I think more people are becoming, it's becoming a problem, you know, for them, uh, there's this addiction and uh, real challenges. So, um, and then that has an impact on the way that they treat their families. So there's been, been some domestic violence as well. Um, and so that's already, that's already happened. And then you know, we know that there's going to be a huge economic downturn, so that means the most poorest and vulnerable become poorer and more vulnerable. And yes. so so prostitution, sexual expectation of people will increase so. Yeah, all in all, not good. Not looking good for trafficking. That's just the human. That's just the sexual trafficking side of it, and then you know other forms of slavery as well. Just similarly, um, people uh, they they get they get exploited even more in these these kind of contexts.
1: Yeah. So, uh, are people aware of that, or do you think people are too anxious and, and worried about their own situation to think about it?
0: Well, you know, to be honest, I think a lot of people, I mean, you know, I find I do it myself, you know, where your, your focus is on your close, immediate family, mm. and then thinking about what's outside the door, never mind somewhere in another country, it becomes quite a challenge. And, um, uh, I, you know, so I'm deliberately trying to think, okay, so who are the connections that I have with people who I think could really do, who could really do something? And then connecting with them, and then seeing if there's ways that we can do it with the resources I have. But um, but yeah, I mean it's uh, it, it's you know we we kind of have to. It's kind of ca- counterculture to to, to push um, to, to push away the the bunker mentality, which is common in this kind of context and situation, you know. And yeah. say no, I'm not gonna. I'm not just gonna focus on myself. And my family, I I choose to look out broader than that.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, though, because I've heard a lot of people talk about a loss of of purpose, a lot of meaning, because, you know, their work will be cut down or they can only do it by Mm. Zoom. Yeah. So it's interesting that, you know, at the same time we've got this loss of meaning, there's these great needs out there that um, we tend to ignore.
0: Yeah, very, very important. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know about you, but I found like half the people I talk to, their work seems to have increased um, exponentially. And then the other half are like twiddling their thumbs and wondering what to do. So right. um, you, like you say, really, you cannot, the different, you know, every situation is different. You know, there's some, some families who are really enjoying having time together yeah. and they're making the most of it. Yeah. And there's other families where you know the tensions just unbearable, and they, they they just they just they can't get away from each other, and it's really frustrating.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, Glenn. Thank you heaps for this. It's a really good getting an insight from the UK. We uh we we just get the big picture. Things like Boris going in and out of hospital, and um you know whether or not Boris has made up his mind to follow herd immunity or actually go into lockdown or not. Um, yes. It's good to get a picture from on the ground. So, yeah, well we, we
0: hear about we hear a bit about you and and uh, and I think a lot of us are really impressed by your prime minister and your her leadership and in the, in the whole thing. So we, we we'd love to have if if you could spare her for a few years, we could have her over here if you like.
1: Oh, we have to lend it to the Australians first, I think. <laughs> <laughs> She's in demand.
0: <laughs> maybe, she could be a global, maybe she could take over the world. take her
2: hand, but the soul of nobody knows
0: Where the parson goes
1: Where does the parson go? So that was Wales, and next in this Whistle Stop World Tour, Isn't this cool? We can't travel because all the borders are closed, but by Zoom, we can pop all around the world. Now I'm Zooming into New Mexico, to the city of Albuquerque, to chat with Andy Gray. So, Andy, tell me about yourself.
2: Um, I'm a teacher. I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I've I've lived overseas, so we've been back for, I don't even know how long, What, what is it, like three years? Um, and, uh, maybe we're lucky to live in Albuquerque because the, this, uh, crisis hasn't seemed to hit here too badly, or it's been handled pretty well here. Uh, Schools are out and I'm spending a lot of time at home with my family and, uh, putting in just a little bit of time each day to uh, catch up with my students right now.
1: Yeah. So you're um so when you say schools are out, you mean they're they're closed down?
2: The schools are closed. Um they decided that that um they would not have the teachers teach any new material during this time, mm-hmm. but provide review lessons. I think a big part of that is that they couldn't be sure that all the students would would access um access the lessons or um be able to get the same quality of teaching let's just say and america is a country of lawsuits and it was a lawsuit waiting to happen for a parent to say my my student is supposed to get these services and you were teaching and not able to provide the services Mm -hmm. um so sad in a way it's kind of sad but um they told us not to teach anything new just to go over things that we already had taught.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, so it's, but on the other hand, it's pretty easy assignment for me.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and I don't have, I, I have some face to face time with my students through Google meet, but mm. most of my students, most of the students in general are not really participating because they know that, well, another thing is they, they basically said that they're going to pass this is middle school. They they decided that they're going to pass all the students.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, they just had a prolonged holiday.
2: Yeah. So most of the students know that they're not in danger of failing. They're not going to get a grade. Yeah. On the other hand, quite a few, you know, quite a few students have a good attitude about learning and want to learn. Oh, and nice. I I feel like I'm providing something for them.
1: Yeah, that gives you a bit more motivation. Yeah. yeah. So, um, how long has this been going for? There, the school's been closed.
2: Uh, I think we closed about the end of March.
1: Yeah. And how long we, do they think they'll stay closed?
2: We're not going to open this school year. So we're we're normally we finish about May twenty third. hmm. And we're not going to open, so it'll go into the summer. And then we'll just see. I, I hope, I just, you know, I really hope, as much as it's fun and nice to have this relaxing time that we get to start up next, you know, next August on schedule, because um, as a teacher, I you know, I don't want to start with a new class this way. So I'm I'm hoping that we don't have to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what about other aspects in in New Mexico? Are there any kind of requirements that you, you know, stay home to work or don't go out or anything like that?
2: Yeah, they've, I think the encouragement has been to stay at home unless Mm -hmm. you absolutely have to go outside. Mm -hmm. They closed, they closed down the state pretty early and pretty uh, aggressively. And so all of the non-essential businesses have been closed most of them you know depending on what you think essential is uh, i have i have parents who are in their 80s and mostly just chosen not to not to do take out food not to not to do a lot of things because i don't want to add to the risk
1: mm-hmm.
2: and we actually don't we haven't spent time with my parents except at a distance as well mm-hmm. yeah but um although we have had dinner a couple times at a distance, (laughs) um, awkwardly, but, you know, managed to do that. Um, yeah, I have gotten out because I like to get outside in places where there's fewer people anyway. Yep. And, and, uh, I haven't, I'm also not a really a conformist to the rules, (laughs) but, um, but I, I think I, in the spirit of social distancing, I've complied. I, but I've, I've been able to go out and run uh, yep. and also do some uh, fly fishing, which I like to do up in the mountains. Uh, yep. I, can drive about, I can drive about an hour, hour and a half and be uh, fishing on a stream uh, in the mountains. So I've been able to do some of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, have they have they clamped down on on traveling between states and or around states at all?
2: Yeah, in my state there's an order that if you come from out of state, on like a tourist, that you're supposed to quarantine yourself for two weeks. Okay. But they don't really have an enforcement mechanism. Okay. So uh, there may be some enforcement, and you hear stories of people who are caught leaving their hotels. But I would say, on the whole, there's not they don't have the ability to enforce that. In general, most in general, most of the regulations that are being done here are on you know they they don't have the resources to really enforce them. They just hope that people will comply.
1: Yeah, and when you talk about essential services, what what does that mean?
2: Um, food, obviously, gasoline. Um, anything that has to do with home repair, I think on the principle that services, like contractors need access to those stores.
1: Yep.
2: Um, the big box stores, your big, like Walmart, are open just because they all have groceries as part of their store.
1: Right, yeah.
2: Um, so it's created a situation where people can basically do all their non-essential shopping Um and for better or worse, the people who hurt are the small businesses that that don't do enough business to you know to to uh to be deemed essential. Right. Yep. Um so there's a lot I I went to the hardware store today because one of the things I've been doing is fixing my house and the parking lot was packed and it wasn't too bad inside. But I that's all of the hardware stores have been like that, and you can see people out in their front yards, and you can see service you know trucks dropping off landscaping supplies around the city, because I think a lot of people are doing work at home, yeah, yeah, so i don't I don't think that's really essential, maybe uh emotionally essential, yeah, 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 but like running <laughs> yeah, maybe that really is essential, yeah.
1: so tell me about your running because you've you've taken up running recently haven't you
2: um i started to get back in shape a a couple of years ago uh, because mostly because i met a friend through my my daughter's sports activity her swimming and this guy was with a group of parents out running and running while our kids practiced yeah and i invited me to join and and turned out that he was an ultra runner
1: mm-hmm.
2: and he kept telling us that our our purpose that day was to run really slow and to keep our heart rates down and to just enjoy it and it turned out that was a good thing for me because every time I've gotten into running um because I used to be more competitive yeah i always i always go faster and faster in about 2 weeks in i hurt myself right yeah or or i burn out yeah and this time I didn't, so I've been going often, mostly on for about two years, and I was getting in pretty good shape right before the shutdown happened. Um, not like you, but I was—I think I did a 12-miler at a pretty good pace, and I felt good the whole time. And I've—I was training for a half marathon in the mountains. Yeah. And now, because of the shutdown, of course, all of the runs are canceled yeah and um, it's been a little harder I've, I've been more maintaining than pushing forward because I can't run with my friend and kind of lost my well and also running was a relief from teaching at school but when I don't go to school it feels more like work
1: <laughs> right yeah yeah yeah
2: what's the trail, trail running like there? mountain running is it, is it easy to access well, Albuquerque, if if you do some searching, I think it's been rated at times as one of the top places in the world to live if you want to do trails, trail running or mountain yeah. biking. Yeah. It's uh, not beautiful like New Zealand is beautiful, but we have where the foothills of the mountains are laced with trails. Um, you can get up to the top of the mountain multiple ways. Um so my friend, when he's doing his long runs, which I haven't joined him on, but he can do 20, 30 mile runs that go up to the top. You know, they get a lot of elevation um, and big loops. I yeah. think during, the, during this uh, shutdown, he and his friends were planning, virtually planning through Strava to do a 31 mile run that would go around the local mountain. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So, so we have good, really good trails. they are more, this is a high desert climate. Yeah. And when I was young, it was just straight up ugly to me. <laughs> but I think, I think that being older, I have more appreciation. If it's not too hot anyway, I, if I'm in the morning, but I have more appreciation for the cactus and, and just being on the trail in general
1: longer boats are coming
0: to win us they're coming to win us they're coming to win us longer
1: boats are coming to win us hold on to the shore okay so now i've zoomed into japan to catch up with charmy nagai so charmy tell me about yourself
3: hey um so who am I? <laughs> I I am currently a yoga teacher living in Yokohama, Japan, which is kind of the, the greater Tokyo area. And I worked with Steve for three years in Cambodia about 10 years ago, or I started about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and then after that moved back to Japan, was involved in some um disaster relief and redevelopment after the tsunami in the northeastern area of Japan and then moved to Yokohama a few years ago and I live with David um, Who is my husband and Steve and Wendy actually married us. So that's our special connection
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was a fun time visit To Japan Yeah, so how are things going in, in Yokohama at the moment?
3: Yeah, so the numbers have been dropping. Um, I'm you know, guessing you're talking about COVID-19 because that's yeah. what this is about. <laughs> but yeah. The weather is cloudy, but um, <laughs> the number of uh, infected cases um, have dropped significantly, I think single digit in the last few days. So that's good because it's been pretty bad. And um, like, like a couple weeks ago, Tokyo was having like over hundred. Yeah. So it was triple digit, um, for a while anyways. Um, but yeah, it's, so numbers are dropping and there's a very high chance that the government will lift its national emergency for the greater Tokyo area, hopefully by the end of the month.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but a lot of it has been lifted across the country. Um, and so, yeah, we're still in the last remaining areas. Um, so, that's what it looks like on the government level. But life actually, um, like we don't have a lockdown situation like, like other countries in the world. And so life is not as restricted. Like people wear masks and people try to work remotely. Um, but a lot of businesses are still open um, and they're asked to close, but they're not forced.
1: Right. So, you know, early April, uh, the rates in Japan were kind of going up exponentially. What mm-hmm. happened to change that?
3: yeah so early April the government issued an emergency for the greater metropolis Tokyo area or actually um, the governor did and because it's so Tokyo is is a huge hub and there are neighboring what we call prefectures they're like provinces or states and they're all kind of you know interconnected people commute in into Tokyo. So all the neighboring governors all got together and said like we need to make this happen And so that started. Um, and then um, eventually the government spread the national emergency to across Japan about a week later Um, and then they were gonna say until the end of golden week which is this big six-day holiday at the beginning of May and then they extended it to the end of May so their thing was if we can cut down um, the number of people going out to um, cut yeah cut down eighty percent, then we should be able to get the economy back to normal um, so they did a lot of yeah, they just asked people um, to stay home as much as possible. they st- finally started offering people um, especially small businesses money um, to help out with expenses um, because there have been people who are um, not only closing up businesses there are stories of you know business owners committing suicide it, it was it was a really difficult situation um so so that i guess has helped um quite a bit in regards to helping the numbers come down um also another big issue has been hospitals being um oh especially in tokyo i think in regards to COVID 19 cases it was overcapacitated Mm -hmm. and so i think at the end of march they were finally frantically trying to um get more available um uh, beds and wards available in the hospital and moving people um, with lighter COVID cases to um, hotels. And so so maybe that has helped a little bit to calm down and ease the hospitals so that there aren't more cases of inner or transmission within the hospital facilities. Um, so maybe all those things, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah how has it affected you guys in your daily life
3: uh yeah so it's it's been really weird for us because for both david and i we have a lot of um friends and family connection in the west and so when we started hearing of what kind of precautionary measures are being taken and what kind of government order there's orders there are and what's an appropriate social behavior in regards to responding and what physical distancing actually looks like. Um, from the West, we started to, you know, do that. So we actually moved our businesses online. So I teach yoga and David teaches um, high level English discussion groups. And we moved our businesses online, telling our students this is the responsible and kind thing to do, and also to protect their you know, protect them as well. Um, and the, that was before the government um, asked people to start moving um, more drastically online. So, so I feel like we've, we've kind of had a, a different strategy within ourselves because we know what is probably the best thing to do, but not everyone is doing the same thing. Or, you know, we would be physical distancing and not being seeing people, but we still see people, you know, getting together at the park and playing, you know, they might not be going to enclosed facilities because those are closed, but, you know, kids and moms are still having playdates at the park. <laughs> and so it's it's been really weird to have a certain idea of what is what is helpful at this time, but also mm-hmm. seeing our neighbors and people in our community that may not be as aware. Um, so I feel like we're living in two different worlds.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 How's the yoga teaching been going on online? Yeah,
3: yeah so, so actually well, a lot of people have been um very thankful that it moved online and that it's an ongoing thing um and i think this is the strength of being a small business in that you know instead of working for a large studio where people come in and out a lot of my students they know each other or they know me and so even if it's a small class online there is a sense of community that they can return to um every week Mm. Um, so yeah, people have been very happy to stay, um, to practice together. I've also had people who left Japan, um, you know, a year ago or so, but they and they live in New York or they're in Toronto and they want to join the class because it's on Zoom. So it's been fun to have a, um, a more diverse group of people and people who've even moved away to different parts of Japan are able to join. So a different sense of community has kind of um, arisen out of this situation. Mm-hmm. um and i was also able to organize an event with five other yoga teachers to raise just more awareness for what's going on in the world in regards to covid-19 especially the issue of um world hunger essentially um for those that are struggling um in slums and bigger cities in um different countries um and Mm. i feel like in japan a lot of people are clueless or they're just not as aware and the news that we get you know if anything if it's from japan or the you know the rich western countries because that's where the news comes from and the poor countries don't matter in regards to international news which is 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 not the case but Mm. that's how media is and so um in donation culture is not a thing in japan um people aren't as uh, familiar with um participating in events and donating online so so we made this platform to offer free yoga classes for a week 12 total and we had about um 200 people or over 200 people join and join these classes and then um give to um, a couple of different charities that we chose one was based in Japan and one um, is a worldwide. So that felt like a meaningful way to give back and help people to give, even though you know things are difficult in Japan, sure, but um, children aren't starving here, you know? And yeah. so just trying to connect a little bit from Japan to the world when the world seems to be getting smaller as we're isolated, even though this is happening you know, globally. So trying to gap, uh, the bridge, uh, yeah, bridge the gap a little bit.
1: Yeah. Is there much poverty in Japan?
3: Um, there is rising poverty, um, I think, especially like child poverty, homelessness. Um, so that's been rising. Um, it's Yeah, I don't have the statistics to tell you in, to, you know, compare and contrast. So obviously, Japan is still, you know, one of the richest countries in mm. the world. Um, but there has been a widening of economic gap in the last mm. 10 years or so. And um, yeah, I, I've heard from like nonprofits and people who are supporting um, home, um, people who've lost housings or who've lost day jobs and are literally homeless, especially um, younger people as well. So um, yeah, this is um, COVID-19 and the, the economy is hitting those people the hardest. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you talk about a lot of people not being aware of what's happening in other parts of the world and even not aware of, of COVID-19 and its effects and things. Is there quite a diversity in, in, in emotions in, in Um Well, I'll,
3: I'll just kind of maybe rephrase what I meant, why people not being aware of COVID-19. So people are aware of COVID-19. and And I mean, Japan has a mask wearing culture. You know, we were one of the earliest countries to be hit you know in because we had cases from um, Wuhan earlier you know early on because we're so close to China and then we had the Diamond Princess cruise ship and so so Japan had a lot of grace period to kind of get used to it and so you know mm-hmm. there is that precautionary measure of wearing masks and washing hands it's just that um, we were so focused into finding out where the clusters were happening and so the idea that um, healthy people can be spreading this the virus, that part hasn't sunk in as much. right? Um, and so probably only in the last month or so since um, about mid-April, there's been more, um, you know, you know like as businesses, you know, if they did respond to the government and started to, you know, shut down um, or grocery stores started, you know, opening later, closing later. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, it's just not as strict. And so people are very aware. And it's an interesting country because the government um, has only asked people to stay mm. home and people are complying to an extent. Yep. So it's, it's interesting that there's no legal repercussions, but, you know, people are responding. It's just not as um, maybe thought, critically thought through, um, like, you know, if this is going on, you shouldn't have playdates with your, you know, kids, right. kids family, yep. right? things like yep. that, or, yep. you know, physical distance when you're passing someone else on the sidewalk. Yeah. Um. Anyways, um, yeah I feel like there are div- um, different kinds of emotions maybe depending on what sector of the society you're in I'm sure it's obviously very different for frontline workers Um a lot of people who are able to stay at home like they are diligent in you know their especially maybe the elder population but then you've um, we've also had issues of cyberbullying um, where people are, attacking um individuals who have been identified with covid um, mm-hmm. saying it's it's their fault we've also had maybe older people or um or i mean other people too it's it's not just about age, but kind of policing or um or um phoning in about certain activities that they think is unfit and mm-hmm. so there's this sense of uh people who have a heightened sense of this is the right thing to do um, but kind of turning other people or turning on to other people in a not a very nice way so Mm -hmm. um, because there's no proper legal (laughs) regulations or um, clear boundaries I I feel like people have different standards of what's appropriate and what's not
1: back to the yoga how's that been helping you through this
3: Mm. um so there's my own yoga practice and then there's my yoga teaching Mm. and for sure my own yoga practice um, has been helpful in that it's a constant place that I can come back to. But, um, but I mean, to be honest, like that's somewhere I come back to regardless of COVID-19. So so I feel like it's become, you know, it is a pretty consistent part. I feel like meditation has been very helpful Mm. um, in that I am able to acknowledge what I'm feeling. And, and still be able to sit with it. So it's, it's provided a, a tool and this is a, it's like a practice that I get in regards to heightened emotions and feelings. In regards to my yoga teaching, um, I feel like I've had a, like I've become more alive in my yoga teaching even though I am not able to physically be with my students. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I really believe that we practice yoga for such a time as this. Yeah, and the fact that I've been able to continue teaching online, where I've had people say, you know, I I don't have places where I feel safe, and so just being told that I can, be safe and like go in this time of shavasana at the end in corpse pose is, was so soothing, or people saying, you know, I'm I have limited contact, um, so I'm happy I'm able to connect with people as I practice, or I feel like I'm feel alive in my body. So, you know, all those things I think help a little bit in regards to us all collectively not just surviving but um and maybe we're not thriving but go beyond surviving and be normal human beings as much as possible in this difficult time
1: oh, cool Long the boats are coming to win us
0: they're coming to win us they're coming to win us the the boats are coming to win us hold on to the shore they'll be taking the key from the door